This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Actress Dominique Fishback's star is on the rise. She's a lead in the new film, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. But she's somewhat of a Transformer herself, because this girl has range. In this blockbuster, she plays a bookish intern. But she's also portrayed a sex worker, a devoted revolutionary, and a murderous stalker. No matter what role she's playing, Dominique brings an authenticity and a depth to her performances that always has me excited to see what she'll do next. Today, we get to know the actress with a thousand faces. And just a warning, this episode contains mentions of violence depicted on screen. This message comes from NPR sponsor Acorn TV. Acorn TV isn't just good. It's brilliant, with exceptional television from around the world. Their romances are more charming, their mysteries cozier, their noirs more gripping, and their comedies cleverer. More clever? Oh, you get it. Acorn TV is brilliant stories told brilliantly. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. So, in a nutshell, Acorn TV. Brilliant. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why accessibility is central to Betterment's mission. The real innovation for Betterment was taking a set of tools that were used by the ultra-wealthy and making them accessible to the average investor. And that includes tax strategies, that includes dollar-cost averaging. These are all sort of tricks of the trade. Learn more about automated investing technology at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. This message comes from The Run-Through with Vogue. Listen as designers, Vogue editors, and industry icons like Erica Badu and Florence Pugh have in-depth conversations about fashion and culture. New episodes are released each Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Dominique, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, we are so happy to have you. Okay, so I got to ask you, since you're starring in the new Transformers movie, what kind of Transformer do you see yourself as? Are you more of an Autobot, a Decepticon, or a Maximal? Maybe I'm more of a Maximal. Just being connected to the Earth is really important to me. Yeah, and plus I don't have a license, so driving would not be my thing. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like a real New Yorker, (laughs) which you are, which you are, which we'll get to. So you're starring in one of the biggest summer blockbusters this year, but you really are an actor's actor in that you make idiosyncratic choices and what projects you take on. Like, I think with many actors, you know, you can see that they have a type of character that people associate with them. Like, if you want a matriarch, you're going to call Loretta Devine. Cheryl Lee Ralph is always going to give you that tough love, like an Abbott Elementary or Sister Act 2. And Issa Rae, you know, so many people, you think Issa Rae, you think Awkward Black Girl because of her YouTube series. But it's harder to pin down a unifying type for you. You have one of the most eclectic IMDb pages in Hollywood. What's important to you in choosing your roles? Wow, thank you so much. You know, I try to go based off of my inner child. 
she's the one who wanted to act before she knew about critics, before there was a social media. Even in high school, I won prom queen. I was valedictorian. I was MVP in my basketball team, and I got into theater. So I always knew that those movies had people in a in a box and a clique, and I never fit in a clique. So I knew that in my career, I didn't want to do that either. So I have this tag that I've been using since about 2016, 17, called The Heroine with a Thousand Faces. That's my little bio on Instagram because I wanted people to know that don't you know don't get used to one thing and it doesn't throw you it just excites you. Hmm, mm, I like that. Here with the thousand faces, you know something that we noticed when we were preparing to talk to you that that does unite all your characters is that all your characters have moments where they deeply access their vulnerability on screen. Would you consider yourself a, a deeply vulnerable person? That's such a great question. I've chills. I think so because. Well, I'll be very honest. I met someone last year that their presence required that I be really, really vulnerable. I always mm. thought I was vulnerable because I'm vulnerable on screen and I'm vulnerable on mm. stage and I'm vulnerable with my poetry. I think I was walking around the earth thinking I was vulnerable. But when it came to intimacy and intimate relationships one-on-one uh, with somebody of the opposite sex, if I have, like I was so nervous to tell this man that I liked him. Like, not even, <laughs> not even I'm in love with you. It was like, like, and my heart was like... My throat was closing up. I said, what is happening? So that's I said, oh, man, I'm not as vulnerable as I thought. And then he wanted to, like, he always wanted to talk. <laughs> like, if I had an issue, he was like, all right, I'm going to come out. We're going to talk about it. And I'm like, no, nah, like, um, uh, can I call you tomorrow? And I was like, Dominique, you talk about wanting vulnerability. You know, even though him and I weren't dating, it it, it was a good test. It, it allowed me to to see, oh, shoot, I'm not that vulnerable. I'm definitely much better now. I have no problem saying how I feel at this point. It is what it is. Mm, I used to say before I met my husband, if uh, I would rather move away, <laughs> like literally move states before I tell somebody I like them because I'm like, it's just too much. It's too much. You know, like I said, vulnerability is there across all your characters. I wonder, how do you locate the vulnerability in a character like Dre in Swarm? who is literally murdering people. Yeah. I read this book called Auditioning on Camera by Joseph Hacker, mm-hmm. and he talks about how you don't have to riddle your characters with shortcomings. If your character is a snake, they're going to be disloyal no matter how honest you play them. If your character is a coward, they're going to run no matter how brave or honorable or courageous you mm-hmm. play them. And so it, mm-hmm. it went like that for Darlene and Deuce. My character is a sex worker. That's her job. She's going to be that no matter how youthful she is, no matter how intelligent she is. So I don't have to walk like a sex worker. I don't have to talk like a sex worker. I shouldn't have brought your country ass here. Go home. If you stay, you'll die. So it's the same in Swarm when you're playing Dre. And for the listeners out there, in Swarm, Dominique plays a character named Dre, who is a murderous stalker fan of a celebrity named Nyjah. I didn't have to move like a murderer or talk like a murderer or emote or not emote like a murderer. I just had to let her exist. And she was going to be a murderer no matter what. I asked for the role and then I was scared of the role. (laughs) But after I asked when I got it, I was like, oh, shoot. I usually journal as all of my characters. But I knew that I wouldn't be able to journal as Dre because on the page, psychologically, I could not understand her. Everything was very surface level responses. Nigel's a queen. You say you don't like Nigel. Like, that doesn't give me access to what's really going on inside of her. 
So instead of journaling as the character, I journaled as myself. Anything in the script that made me afraid that I was judging, I journaled about it, big or small. This gave me fear because I don't like this, I don't like this. And that allowed me to be completely honest and then clear it away so that the camera wouldn't pick up Dominique being uncomfortable playing Dre. It would just be Dre. Hopefully, that was the hope, you know? Coming up, Dominique on learning how to be unlikable. On the thought of Dre being a murderer, there's this line of thinking that, you know, any role you take as a Black actor has to be for the betterment of Black representation, roles that are honorable, respectable, excellent. But I don't get the sense that you're concerned about that. You seem to choose roles that are like messier, whole human beings, you know, be it characters that are rageful vulnerable, afraid, ambivalent. Why is playing these kinds of characters important to you? Well, first I have to say, I do care. I consider it a lot, actually. When God is good, like I feel like all of my roles before Swarm, the characters were easier to like, Hmm. easier to love. And I got used to that. Who doesn't love being loved or liked, right? So I I enjoy that the fans enjoyed. Oh, and Deborah from Judas and the Black Messiah is just such a tender character. I feel like he never lets folks put words in his mouth. And no matter what, he doesn't get flustered or angry. I'd like to be like that someday. So with Dre, it was the first opportunity where I was like, they might not like me. But I had started working on myself enough to say, well, I know why I'm choosing this. And the same reason why I want to do this part, I'm sure that there's audiences that also want to see it. You know, there's also black women that, that you know, I want to see a character like that. You know what I'm saying? There's this one shot in the pilot after she, you know, beats him with the salt lamp. And then she comes up and the angle is underneath her. And the tear mm-hmm. comes out and the blood's on her face. And she has that bang. And it reminds me of like one of those 1970s horror films. The Carries, all of that. And we haven't seen our faces, our hair, our complexion put on those frames in those images. Mm-hmm. That was very exciting. Even on Twitter, people were getting shirts that had that image on it. I had the same response to Dre going into Swarm. I really enjoyed your performance. It was so unlike anything I had seen previously. And there was something satisfying about seeing Dre tap into all these emotions that you don't always get to see Black women characters follow to completion, (laughs) like rage and anger. There's something about the way that she would not just lash out, but fully follow her anger all the way through that I found myself not necessarily relating to, but I understood it to a certain degree. Something else I noticed is that you often have played younger characters, be they teens or fresh-faced interns like in Transformers, and you play them with your whole body. Sometimes when people play, when they're in their 20s or 30s and they're playing a teenager, sometimes it's like a voice thing or maybe like, a kind of a carriage thing, but not a whole body thing, which is seems to be your approach. I think you're really great at creating the bounce of being that age. The three your performances, what are you trying to get right about what it feels like to be really young? I think the main thing for me is I, I deeply respect teens and I respect children. I think they're extremely wise. One thing that I know is when I was a teenager, I knew that I loved the person that I loved. I make my my teenagers extremely wise. Again, I don't riddle them with things that people think they're supposed to be riddled in. I go from the inside out. 
And what's that one line that can get me into the heart of my character? And then I move from there. It's like the hate you give. One thing that she said in the hate you give that I said, okay, I understand. She said to Star. There go that trick Danasia. Ooh, I can't stand her ass. And you so lucky you go to that private school. And you got to deal with hoes like that. <laughs> no, there's hoes in my Now, on the paper, you could be like, oh, look at her. She don't care about nothing. She but for me, I was like, well, she's jealous of Star. Star gets to go to a private school, and she has to go to school in the hood. But instead of being vulnerable enough to say, I wish that I can go to a private school because I would get that opportunity and I would really love it. She has to say, I wish I could because something negative, which is not the truth. She just wishes she could, but she's too afraid to say that. But physicality, I don't think about physicality. I just, again, it's just like I try to exist. And wherever my body goes is where it goes. Like Even with Dre, I didn't try to make her physically funny. I just let my body do, my eyes do, my head do, whatever it wanted to do at the time. And now when I look back, I can say, oh, man, oh, that's really funny. That's physical comedy. I've always wanted to do physical comedy. I love Jim Carrey. I love Lucille Ball. And I can see their influence, even though I didn't think of them when I was doing it. Hmm. Hmm. Speaking of your younger self. You're originally from East New York, Brooklyn, and in Transformers, your character is a diehard Brooklyn girl from East New York. How, how did you bring Brooklyn flavor to this role? Like, how did you lead on your life experiences to make sure the role was played right? I think this was the most liberating one, except for like the CGI, looking at things that aren't there. Like, I think <laughs> it's the most liberating in that I didn't think about how to bring my Brooklyn to it. I just am. Hmm. And that's the thing about having a human experience, period. Whether we're worthy or deserving of something, we just are. And then Anthony is also from Brooklyn. And we were friends before this movie. It's like the idea of like, you don't have an accent until you go back home. (laughs) You know, that's like, it's similar to that. It's like, all right, my Brooklyn could come out because my spirit is literally bouncing off of Anthony's because he's also from Brooklyn. And Stephen was so open to us being like that. I wonder... Is there a moment like from your own life that kind of gets it, like a feeling that you have where you're like, now this is the thing they're not getting in the movies. Like this is the real stuff we need to be talking about, we need to be seeing on screen. I think in love, which I think is probably why my spirit wants to do a rom-com or or epic romance so bad. And I feel like there's a lot of trauma and patterns that we learn from our parents and what we've witnessed that I don't think is captured in the movies. In Love Jones, for example, Lorenz Tate's character, he don't want to tell her that, yo, I don't want you to go to New York. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's just like, nah, I'm cool. I'm real cool. And then he wanted to be mad at her for going to New York. When he could have just said it. But why didn't he say it? Did he come from a, a family that don't speak about their feelings? You know, I wonder if we can start tapping into, like, what is the root of what happens? I would love to see you in an epic romance. I would love that. Dominique, thank you so, 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 so much. It was so great to talk with you today. Yes, thank you, Brittany. Dominique's newest film, Transformers Rise of the Beasts, is in theaters everywhere. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Corey Antonio Rose. Our editor is Jessica Placzek. Engineering support came from Gilly Moon. We have fact-checking help from Susie Cummings. Our executive producer is Verilyn Williams. Our VP of Programming is Yolanda Sanguini. Our senior VP of Programming is Anya Grundman. 
All right. That's all for this episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Delta Airlines. When you think about it, half the trips the world takes are trips home. And those at Delta are travelers just like you. That's why they try to make you feel at home long before you even get there. The economy right now is bewildering, impenetrable, inconceivable. Not when you have the indicator of podcast in your ears. In under 10 minutes every day, we simplify the complicated news like... How does inflation drop? What the heck is a SPAC? Why are trendy little high-fiber sodas suddenly dominating store shelves? And more. Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money and NPR.